a journey together to discover what does it mean to kind of walk into a deeper, uh, more mature spirituality. Um, because often, as I have said before, we're given a faith as kids that feels like a t-shirt at confirmation. Some of you have kids that are in confirmation. And our church has given them a t-shirt right now that's about their size. And it, it'll fit them well uh, at the age of 13, 14, 15 maybe. Um, and then you begin to grow outside of that t-shirt and often what the church does is it doesn't say, oh, this is going to be super normal and you're going to have to take this t-shirt off and you're going to have to begin to figure out how to fashion your own garment. You're going to have to figure out how to um, allow your faith to grow alongside of your own developmental growth. What the church often does, though, is it says, no, this is faith. It's a one-size small t-shirt that you've got to fit yourself into. And so often when we go to college and we get afraid of our kids going to college because they think, they don't believe the same thing. Oh my gosh, they're having all these other discussions. They're having, right? And so that's happened uh, often to us. And so I think what ends up happening, and I've said this before, is that we have a couple of different responses. Either we shove our own humanity, all of our humanity, inside of that small t-shirt, and we act like there is nothing wrong. I don't know if you've ever seen a person that's wearing a t-shirt like eight sizes too small. You know, my, my sister says it's not a t-shirt, it's Spanx. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> that often faith is like that. It just it just tightens everything up. And so you walk around uh, tight. Or we stick it on once a week because you have that t-shirt on too, don't you? I mean, I've got it on. We all believe the same thing. Um, we want to belong and so we will put up with internal inconsistencies in order to belong. I will say things in the creed that I don't know if are true because everybody else is saying them next to me and I want to belong. And so this belonging becomes really important and so we will lie or we will say mistruths or things that we haven't experienced in order to say, I guess this is faith, I guess this is what it is. And then there are some people that just say, I, I can't do this anymore, and they walk away. I think what we're starting to understand in this space is that there's a type of spirituality that should grow and change along with us. If what you believe at 15 is the same thing that you believe at 50, you have not grown. You have not been faithful. You, you have not followed Jesus. If what you believe at 15... If you're still believing it's 50, come and see me. Um, because what ends up happening is we fit ourselves into these tight spaces. What we're beginning to see, um, and one of the questions I've asked for a long time is, does Christianity, does it have space for real people anymore? Does it have space for waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, where is God? Waking up next to someone that you pledged your life to thinking, I don't like who I am. And maybe I don't even like who they are. Or a fear that we can't get rid of. If it is, if the only response is come to the Bible study of John and we'll figure it out. That at some point we need a gritty spirituality. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Gospel of John either. 
I'm just saying often the church doesn't know how to um, engage with humanity at the deep level of variability of all the things that we struggle with, all the doubts that we have, all of the developmental things and crises that you will go through. And often what the church will do is it will pull back or... Because it seems like, as I've said before, we're um, comparing our insides to people's outsides, and they all seem like they've got it together. I'm just going to fake it. And I'm going to stand in this place and kind of fake it until I make it, thinking you've made it, I haven't made it. And so we stand by each other as liars. Not wanting to be liars, just not knowing how to speak the truth. And so um, one of the cracks that began to enter my own faith was through this band called U2. Uh, first time I ever heard, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I thought, oh, you can say that out loud? <laughs> right? It's not that you doubt. It's that you don't know how to say that you doubt to the person next to you. It's not that you struggle. <laughs> we all struggle. It's that we don't know how to say to the next person next to us, I struggle. And so um, often um, it's in these songs that I found my faith. Um, Sam and, uh, and Jeff is gonna, are going to come and we're going um, to sing the song together. This song was birthed out of a, a time in the band's history when they had just gotten through with Rattle and Hum. Um, a, um, a really amazing um, group uh, or um, tour, and they were at the end of the road together. And um, Bono says at one point, we're going to go away for a while and have to dream this whole thing back up. And so um, they go away, and they realize that in the midst of all dreaming this thing back up, that they have resentment towards each other. They've got a lot of anger towards each other. They go to Berlin where the wall is falling down, um, literally the week that they're there. And they realize that they have erected these walls between each other. And they almost broke up as a group. And um, this, this uh, refrain that Jeff is playing right now um, was actually embedded in Mysterious Ways, the song Mysterious Ways. And, uh, one of the producers says, hey, pull that out and let's try to do something with that. And they started playing this and um, this truth just came out. And so we're gonna sing uh, this together. This is Sam and, and Jeff. Can we give them a hand?
I know, yeah, right? We need to put a chip jar up here. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, right. Um, the, the, the thing, one of the things that I love about this song is that um, it is honest about the tension that we live in, that our relationships um, um, are in often. That often what um, a type of 
exceptionalism or a type of Christianity will say that if you do it right, you get perfect. And you'll end up with a perfect husband or a perfect wife or perfect kids or a perfect job. And so we have these ideals that come out of this belief system often and that we put them up in front of us. And when the things that we project as what we want and perfect um, are not um, mirrored internally, because internally you've got to be at least as screwed up as I am, right? Please. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that what we end up doing is um, there's an incongruence and we live a lot of times with a deep sense of despair and incongruence in our lives. And so then we come to spirituality and we want to zap from spirituality. We want God to take all of this. Isn't this what you're supposed to do, God? Don't you see that I'm struggling? Don't you see the relationships that I'm in that are having a really difficult time? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see my doubts? Don't you think, see what's waking me up at three in the morning? And then we expect this God, this, this mystery to zap us into the place that we hold as ideal. And here's what I've learned the hard way in a program that um, I've been... Um, summons to walk through, is that the same root word for um, ideal is the same word that comes out of the word idol. Is that often the life that we want, that we think if I could just achieve that, if I could have that kind of faith, that kind of wife, that kind of husband, that kind of job, and we have this kind of internal despair within us that makes us drive ourselves to that, and that is an idol often. We've set it up as an ideal. And one of the things that are really um, necessary about idols when it comes to um, the Christian tradition is that God says, um, you got to tear those down. What if your ideal and your idol is your own ego? <laughs> and so often what we come to is we don't have like idols set up in our front yard that we kind of you know, burn incense to or stray cats or whatever. You know? <laughs> often our idol is our own ego. And so we often um, get to midlife and we wonder, why do I feel dissatisfied? Why does everything that used to work in my life doesn't work now? Why can I not get over this um, angst or this anger or this depression or this fear that will not let me go? Because it, fundamentally, what the Holy Spirit is doing is attempting to pull down the idol of our own ego. And to the degree that we resist that is to the degree that we will never be free. And this is why often in midlife you will come up against things that you are not powerful enough to get over anymore, an addiction, a divorce, the loss of a job, not having enough, shame catching up to you. Something will happen that you will look at and say, I cannot get over this. And often that is the very work of um, um, mystery, tearing down idols, saying, do you want to be free? How free do you want to be? And so when we come to this song, one of the things I love about the song is that, um, um, is that Bono is, is telling the truth. 
The, the phrase, one but we're not the same, emerges out of correspondence he had with the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama wanted him to come and to be a part of this one um, um, conference. And um, Bono said, I, I, um, internally, he wrote this later, um, I don't think oneness is about kind of, and not he wasn't saying this about the Dalai Lama either, but I don't think it's about kind of uh, unity, about us all being hippies. And just, hey, dudes, it's just one, bro. You know? What, I don't know why um, that I was going to a surfer who sounds like he's smoked a lot of weed, but uh, that's... that's uh, what he says is that we are one, but we're not the same. That, that what it means to walk into this life together is not to get all the people that think the same way that you do, that vote the same way that you do, that have the same values that you do. But really, oneness comes out of this deep sense of difference. Paul talks about it being the body of Christ, that we are all different. But how does this thing then work together in a oneness? And he wrote this at a time when um, things were falling apart in his life, in the edge's life, in divorce. And he began to wonder. Um, and he starts the song in the middle of a question. Is it getting better or do you feel the same? Is it getting easier on you now that you've got someone to blame? And so I think that um, what... Um, what partly we are called to is not just summonsing the same unity, but difference in the very ways that we live, move, and have our being. Um, what often Christianity does, and what we talked about last, um, last week, is that at its core, and I'll keep saying this probably till the day that I die, that at its very center, Christianity is a belonging system before it is a believing system. This is what Jesus says to the very disciples um, to Peter, he says, come and see. Come and see. And then, so Peter has to follow Jesus. He says, follow me. Follow, have this experience of me in a way that will transform your life. And often what we've done in modernity is we have said, really Christianity is about believing stuff. Believing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior Confessing your sins so that you get to go to heaven and not go to hell. And we've reduced it down to that. And Jesus says, um, follow me. It's not till three years into his earthly ministry that he asked that question. Um, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, after all of this, after watching Jesus move in ways and radical um, obedience to God, says, oh, you are the Christ. <coughs> You're the son of the living God. And so at its core, um, what we're to do in Christianity is not to prop up um, beliefs as if they become like a, um, a rope that a bouncer is going to let people in. You know, so the church is like this exclusive hip hop club. You know, tell me what you believe, you know, and you say, I believe in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Come on to the party. Right. It's not that at all. Right. Um, it's not that at all. The Christianity is this belonging system where we move into the world and we connect where people are disconnected. Your baptism doesn't set you apart over here in this holy club. Your baptism pushes you into the water of chaos and so that every uh, human experience is not foreign to you. 
You don't pull back to your own ex internal experiences or the experiences of others. Because it's love that, that God uses in that connection. So Christianity is a belonging system before it is a believing system. And because of that, um, it is a we system. It is a we program, as I've um, heard uh, said in another place. It's not an us and them program. And often what we do, and we talked about this last week, is that we have these categories that then we slot folks into. That was what, um, where the streets have no name come, uh, we talked about last week, these categories that we have. Um, categories that, you know, Bono began to see in Ethiopia, where there was like folks that had a lot and people that didn't have a lot. And he began to think about Dublin. Oh, where the streets had names, and you tell me what street you were born on or live on, oh, I'll tell you everything you need to know, everything I need to know about you. And I can categorize you, right? We do that um, in societies. We also do that internally. I was talking to a friend this week. Um, we began to think about, and he began to help me see some of the categories that I think that, that are just in existence. We talked about fear and love last, um, last week. That there's fear that, um, that we can operate out of or there's love. One of the things that James says is that perfect love, like love that gets down in you, love that sneaks in through the back door and, and, and takes a hold of you, casts out that fear. But how much is our world operates in this deep sense of fear? And then not just fear, but scarcity. There's not going to be enough resources. And so we begin to hold on to the resources that we have internally. We do that in relationships with our spouses and with people that we say that we love. There's not going to be enough, so I've got to get what's mine and I've got to sit on it. And we do it in sneaky ways that create um, disparity and kind of um, um, distance between us. And then God comes along and says, all there is is abundance. There's abundance. In the New Testament, Jesus says um, to the disciples um, um, when they roll up on some folks that are really hungry, he says, give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, dude, we got like a half a sandwich and Peter's chugging a Dr. Pepper over here and that's what we got, right? And, and Jesus is trying to tell the disciples that in, in this new community of people, you have all that you need. There's enough. I want you to look at the folks around you for a second. I, I mean that, like really look at people around you <laughs> for a second. One of the reasons we turn the, um, um, the chairs like this so we can see each other. All that we need, all that you need is in this room. You might be sitting by the person next to you who has and who is the portal and the threshold to exactly what you long for. But if we continue to play the game that it's my life, I get to meet my own needs, I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself, we will never enter into a new reality of a new community. We'll never enter into the abundance of God. Dominance and communion. Fear will say that you have to take what's yours, you have to dominate the world. Um, um, businesses like that, sports are like that, relationships are like that. Sometimes that can masquerade around as uh, um, 
self-care even, trying to get what I need at the end of the day. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with self-care. Uh, it's just the energy that sometimes can be behind that. What God says is that there is communion, co-creation, being in relationship with each other. Are you all aware that there is fear, scarcity, and dominance that operates in the world? Anybody experience that energy in the world? Right? And then there's this alternative energy of love, abundance, and community. I mean, fear, dominance, and scarcity actually create structures, right? And so when, um, when, when Paul comes along and talks about love, joy, peace, patience, he's not saying this is a self-help thing that I want you to kind of permagrin smile yourself to and just be nice to everybody, right? What Paul was saying is, I want you to have such an experience of grace, such, a, such an experience of love, that it changes you from the inside out. And what that does is it puts a different energy into the world. And collectively, what Paul is saying is that there's a way of living where you can end up being fear-based and dominant-based and, 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 and think that there's not enough. Begin to close off all of the walls around you, and then we can baptize it in the name of Jesus with a really to church with and sing songs that we lie about and never get to know the person next to us and what they're struggling with, and we can call that church and miss out on the radical nature of what it means to be human and alive and move into this world with the very spirit that wants to liberate all of us. And you are not built for playing church. You are not built for a religion that keeps you small. You are built for freedom. And that kind of freedom has a price. And that price often comes with, with um, other capacities that we have to develop. Let, let me say this um, before I go off into... Um, do I have glasses? I've got glasses, don't I? I'm like totally blind. Something happened when I turned... Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what I was going to say about fear, dominance, scarcity um, is this. Is that, um, and this is John Gottman. He talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, of relationships. Uh, this is a, a, a therapist, a, a researcher. And he says the four horsemen often that come out, come out with, with what I want to say in fear, scarcity, and dominance um, often kind of roam around as criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Yeah, um, that often the four horses of the apocalypse in relationship can roam around um, the, the energy of fear and dominance um, and scarcity often come in the form of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Have you ever experienced that in your own relationship? I'm not asking you to diagnose your partner who might be sitting next to you. All right? It's good. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that in yourself? That, that sense of uh, criticism that comes up from the bottom? That, that criticism that's like, well, I wish, I wish she did it that way. Well, he's always, right? That contempt that just like, that, it, it, it'll, that's resentment that you've nurtured for a while, right? That's like a Bordeaux of contempt. You know, you've stuck that in the basement of your life of, of, of criticism, and it has a really good, like, vinegary kind of ugh, flavor to it, contempt. Uh, naturally become defensive, and then we 
begin to stonewall each other. And what happens if we live in that space is that becomes the vision of our life. The walls then define our own freedom. The, the walls of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stone walls, walling that really emanate from this energy of scarcity and fear become the um, life that we have. And we wake up to people next to us and we think, I guess this is as good as it gets. We um, think this is as far as I can go. And then we get busy um, really, I think, hiding from each other. The uh, Surgeon General of the U.S. says this, that the biggest epidemic right now in the United States um, is not a disease of the body, it's loneliness. And that really is a disease, that's an epidemic that's creating other diseases. Because we have cut ourselves off from each other. We've cut ourselves off. We live with criticism and contempt and defensiveness and stonewalling as a way of like um, 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 making sure that I get what I want, afraid of each other, that we become very lonely. And I don't know about y'all, but like, like COVID sucked, right, in that regard. It did not like open me up to like the love of the world, you know? I mean, we emerged out of that um, a lot of us emerged out of that. Really, we drank too much. We, we were like locked in in a thousand different ways. We, we watch our kids now with anxiety that, that, that emerged out of that. Does that make sense? And that what we've often become is super lonely. We don't know how to break out of ourselves. And part of a mature spirituality um, summons us into those, um, those places. What I want to say um, as, we, um, as we kind of wind down here is that it's the practice um, of vulnerability, curiosity, and surrender that I think are the antidotes to the four horsemen of the, of, of the apocalypse. There's more. But these are the ones that um, um, right now I want us to consider. Vulnerability that we share our lives with each other. This is what Bono says, we get to carry each other. Not we have to, not we got to. We get to carry each other. A friend asked me um, this week, whose one will you be? <laughs> There's somebody in your life that um, is carrying a load that they act in like maybe... Um, they've got it taken care of because to do otherwise would be to let you in on a fear that they don't have it together. And it may mean walking across the lawn to the neighbor. It may be getting a cup of coffee. It may be carrying somebody to a recovery meeting. But whose one will you be? We get to carry each other. But you cannot carry something or someone that um, you're attempting to stonewall, be critical of, be defensive of. And so part of the spiritual life softens us. But in that softening, we get super strong too. There's a, it's just like counterintuitive space, right? That, that, um, that often it's this paradox. We have to give up in order to win, is what Richard Rohr says. And so this vulnerability, this, this, this slowing down... It, let me say this. 
it necessitates us slowing down as well. That we can't rush these things, and often we live such full lives that then we try to jam friendships in in the margins, into the cracks. And often it doesn't work like that, that we have to um, really spend time um, with each other in those spaces. So I would say this, if you're struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with um, a space or something that you are feeling walled in from, that often the risk of, of vulnerability is the risk of time with another person. Curiosity. Um, the root word for curious is just to cure. Huh. Right? If you know everything and you've already made your mind up about the person sleeping next to you or the person across the aisle or the person across the, um, the road or the person across um, um, town, um, what ends up happening is that there's no cure in that. We just get defensive and we shut down and we know everything and then we, we have this kind of spiritual cancer. We're in a deep spiritual crisis right now in this country. Because we've shoved it all in our head. We've made sure that we're the right people. We believe the right things. And we've let go of belonging. We've let go of vulnerability. We've let go of curiosity. And to reclaim our freedom, we have to develop these kinds of capacities. And then the next, surrender. You are facing something in your life that's too big for you. All the money, all of the um, discipline, all of your smarts, you are not big enough to overcome it. And there's folks in this room who have learned um, the way of surrender that I'm following, that I'm asking, that I'm in contact with. You need to find folks in this room or outside of this room that have figured out um, how they've surrendered to things that are too big for them and ask them, how'd you do that? That, that is the way forward with each other. I think this song might just be, uh, um, and the band says it, it saved them. And it might just save you. That we're one, we're not the same. This is not some kind of hippie thing where we've got to all be the same and think the same. But we have to, we get to, we get to carry each other. There's places in your life you need to be carried and places that you can carry another person. And so whatever a mature spirituality looks like, it's going to be based out of these things. And just think about it. If we can cultivate vulnerability and curiosity and surrender, it puts something in the world. We create a different world. And what ends up happening is, is, is within their own, this is what happened with Bono and the band, is within their own life, um, Bono begins to think, wait, he creates the one campaign, Right? And realizes that there's these walls all over the planet that exist. That maybe he can do something about the AIDS epidemic. Maybe he can do something about um, um, extreme poverty. As I said last week, once you realize that these things exist within you, that God wants to liberate you from, that wall comes down and you begin to want to remove any barrier that exists to God's love anywhere on the planet. And I think that's the hope of a mature spirituality, that we get to carry each other and we get to see the world differently. Um, I hope that happens with each of us this week. That's what I got.
what are uh, questions or comments or things that you want to say or insights that you have, or if you just want to, um, yeah, what are, and I know some of y'all have to get kids and have sports things and all that, so yeah, if you need to go, go. What are, what are insights or questions or comments? Anybody? Yeah, Julie. Um, so a few of us have been talking about how great this class is, but that we might want to have get deeper with people. Yeah. And so somehow to make small groups, either we meet before or after, mm -hmm. or I don't know, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Nicole Neary and I have been talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so this carry each other, I yeah. don't know, it's kind of seen. Yeah. Talk to that. So yeah. maybe we can talk about it later. Or yeah. Anybody who has... Yeah. You know, we could split up by ages or sexes or I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all hear that? It's like how we, we may need a mechanism yeah. to, to carry each other, right? And it's that um, one of the things we're doing with some men in, the, in, this, um, in this room is that we're reading a book together and we're meeting a couple times a month just to, uh, and I think that that's kind of happened organically. There may be some folks around you as you get to know that this happened. I think sometimes organic groups sometimes can be like super great and the best. Um, but I also think that we can begin to look at smaller groups and how we carry each other. Um, I'd be totally into that. If somebody has some ideas about that, like what I don't want this to become is like uh, what I love about this, this community is that we're figuring out what we need and then we'll go do it together, right? And, and so that's, a, that's how this will emerge with what Julie's saying. So if y'all have some ideas about how we might do that, um, let's, let's do it. Yeah. The concert we ran into each other the line. Mm -hmm. Going to see the preacher and him. And for me, when I first heard their music many, many years ago, that was that key to unlocking my own path to whatever God is. Mm. And when this song came out, I remember just the whole, <coughs> the activism of it. And oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, my bad. What, sorry about that. But um, what, I, what I remember about that time and what it inspired me to do was looking at things from a global perspective, global mm. activism, the AIDS epidemic, um, the poverty, debt sure. forgiveness, debt whatever. And when you said this country is You know, once you realize that, um, I, once I share with Philip um, the things I struggle with and that wall comes down with me and I get spiritually liberated a little more and we walk this path carrying each other as we're doing, I begin to realize that there's other people that are carrying stuff that's too much, that we got kids in Spring Branch that go to bed hungry. That ain't right. You know, something will come up for you to go, that ain't right. 
and that may be something that we get to carry with each other, right? I, we're not, I don't know how to prescribe that. I think there's been too many religious folks that prescribe how you're going to carry things, you know? I, I think what we're being summoned to is take responsibility and let's go. Right, so, yeah. There. Um, for me, to be vulnerable is to be humble. Mm. Being humble, I can be teachable. Huh. And then once I'm teachable, I have to rely on the fact that I, my ego is not my amigo. Yeah, right? Sorry about that. I'm just here to scare people today. That's all I'm doing. So with that being said, uh, my ego out of the way, I, I can surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And when I surrender and being vulnerable and being teachable, I have the opportunity yeah. to hear others. Yeah. And and, and be part of that's them. right. That's right. You know, and so that's that's really right on. Yeah. Yeah. David, I think that that's right, that often our ego, like, did you hear what he said? This is a t-shirt we have to make around here. My ego is not my amigo. I love it, right? Um, is it that often it's the things that we, um, that come in, humility often comes through the feeling of being humiliated. If I share this with you, what's going to happen? We have to walk through that. Humility is on the other side of that. Michelle? Yeah, somebody wants me to do ZZ Top yeah. in the next uh, <laughs> series, so, Tom. And, and, and maybe for all of us, I mean, something helpful would be to just kind of like exist in something like that, you know, and mm. listen to more music. And, and, and for me, I say this because <clears throat> my wife got me an electric guitar like, you know, what, three years ago? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I find myself kind of like, it's been so therapeutic for me. I kind of like 
mess around with it mm. and uh, take time during my emails during the day and uh, listen to more music. And, you know, you realize that these guys are like, first of all, they're brilliant, right? And, you know, the music is kind of, it's great. And it brings you back to, like, some youth in you and, uh, and life. And, and really, like, maybe the secular in the music is more important as the path to spirituality as, you know, as, uh, you know, the, the traditional church in some way. You know, now, I still suck playing. Um, but, but Didn't matter. It's, it's, it's yeah. been great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I would just encourage everyone, you know, whether it's like reading a piece of literature or, or just, and, and even, you know, playing or listening to music. I mean, even though you don't know where you're going, you feel like you're wasting time and on a treadmill with it. It's kind of been a really positive thing. So I'm, I really appreciate your wrapping these mm. messages and, uh, in music, in a yeah. way, you know, because it's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's something there for sure. Well, we're going to have to end, but Jeff, I think that's right on in that if fear and dominance and scarcity built the world, it's, it's, it's going to be rebuilt by something else. And so if you're aware of fear, dominance, and scarcity in your life in those places, that, that number one, um, is not sustainable for a new world. <clears throat> And that's why I think the summonsing to the spiritual space of love, joy, peace is not, is not a therapeutic exercise. It really is how we get reformed. And part of that reformation comes from, I think, those three, the vulnerability, um, um, the curiosity, and surrender. What would happen if we did that this week and we moved into that space in maybe places where we get to carry each other? Let's see what happens as we carry each other. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love and for your life. And we thank you, um, God, that, um, that you meet us where we are and that you call us to um, a place that we cannot get to on our own. For those of us this morning that are struggling with um, things that we don't know what to do with, I pray, God, that you would bring not only relief, but that you would bring and you'd allow us and help us to find someone we can share that with. Teach us in this class, in this set of relationships, how we can carry each other. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a great week.